What's up, everyone? Welcome to First Church. My name is Brian. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, and so we are glad that you are here uh, with us. We have a, a lot of people here on site. We have lots of people worshiping with us online. I looked just a little bit ago, and we have Zena, who's been like tra- a world traveler this summer. She's in Arizona uh, worshiping with us. I know we also have Larry and Suzanne in Maryland who are worshiping with us. So if you're on site with us today, we put your hands together and welcome in our online family. We're in the middle of this, this series we've called Mixtape, where we are, we're just every week looking at different psalms um, and, and, and walking through, through them. If you weren't here last week, Brian Hunt uh, uh, spoke with us and, and, and taught and did a fantastic job. And so make sure you go back and watch that. He did a, he did a, a phenomenal job. Um, but one of the things he talked about, if you were here, here, you remember this, he talked about musical nostalgia. Now here's the deal, let me, let me just be honest here. I had this whole part of my message already written about musical nostalgia and all this stuff. And then Brian comes in and does a way better job than I was gonna do, um, but he, he did, it, did it all. And so, um, so we're not gonna go there, but let me just tell you this. Um, we, we talked about how musical nostalgia, can you hear a song and automatically you're transported to a memory. We've all had, had moments like that. And uh, I had a moment as I was kind of getting ready for this, this message um, that, that triggered a, a very similar thing. Chad walked into my office and said, hey, were you, are you able to preach this Sunday? I said, I said yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. He said, great, we're gonna be in the middle of our mixtape series. Here's what I want you to do. Pick your favorite Psalm and uh, we just preach through, through that. You can just pick whatever one you want. And I said, great. He left my office and I immediately began to kind of think through which Psalm I wanted to preach from. A couple immediately came to mind, like Psalm 34, David says this, the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them, he delivers them from all their troubles. Psalm 113, where it says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord will be praised. Even Psalm 121 that Brian preached from last week was another one that jumped out, out to me, so he uh, messed me up twice. But other than that, no, it's fine. Um, uh, but, but then I decided, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I don't know which one to choose from. And so I'm gonna read through the entire book of Psalms. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start Psalm 1, end at Psalm 150, and, and just maybe see what God will do in my life as I read these Psalms. And maybe something jumps out to me. And so I began to read through uh, four, five, six, seven, eight of them every morning, depending on how long they were. And I just started walking through that. I got to Psalm 42. And one of those musical um, nostalgic moments happened to me. I read the first verse of Psalm 42 and I was immediately transported back to this place right here, Mission Lake Christian Camp. Now, most of you, I would would guess all of you probably have no clue where Mission Lake Christian Camp is. It's a small little camp in uh, uh, kind of Northeast Kansas, uh, in Horton, Kansas, Uh, but that's the camp I grew up going to. Uh, my dad preached at a small little church and uh, uh, he was, that's the camp that they went to. And so he would go out and uh, help Dean. So at the age of five and six and seven years old, I was going to Mission Lake, just hanging out with my dad. Um, and then when I got into second and third grade, I started going as a camper, went, went my entire life until I was uh, a senior in high school. And, and I love this camp. God did a lot of work on my life uh, at, at, this, at this camp. But I, I was immediately, when I read the first verse of Psalm 42, I was immediately transported to the, to the campfire pit at Mission Lake Christian Camp. 
Like every campfire pit, uh, a big pile of wood, and then around it, you would, you would uh, sit. We had all these benches, we would sit around. And normally what would happen is someone would have a guitar and they would stand up and we would start singing some, some uh, praise songs, some old choruses, some hymns. And it seems like every summer, and maybe it wasn't, but it seems like every summer, we sang the song um, that was inspired by Psalm 42. And it goes like this, maybe you recognize it. It goes like this, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. Anyone know that song? Anyone ever seen it? Yeah, yeah. So if you're online with us, go ahead and hop in the chat. Let us know if you know that song as well. But, but, uh, but I, I remember that song. I, re- I read the first verse of Psalm 42 and I, I immediately was transported to this place, Mission Lake Christian Camp, that impacted my life in such a great way. And I remember just sitting around the campfire singing that song and it was nice and sweet and great. And I thought, this is the Psalm I'm gonna preach from. Psalm 42, as the deer, it's gonna be great. Here's the problem. Psalm 42 is not a nice, sweet, serene, nice, peachy psalm. In fact, it is the opposite of that. And so all these ideas of preaching this nice, nice, neat sermon just went out the window. And I probably should have known that before I read Psalm 42, but, um, but I didn't. And from, from the very beginning, if I really would have realized it, Psalm 42, the writer is telling us things aren't going well in his life. In fact, things are just downright bad. Let's read the first verse, Psalm 42, verse one. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now, let's, let's just uh, analyze this from the, from the very beginning. Um, I'm not a hunter. Um, my dad hunted uh, a little bit when I was like in elementary school, like three years, he went out with a bow, tried to hunt a deer. Um, he went O for three. And so, uh, I thought that's a waste of time to go sit in the, sit in the woods and, uh, um, not shoot anything. And so I just said, I'd rather, I'd rather watch sports on TV. Um, and so that's what I did. So I'm not a hunter, but I've been told by people who do hunt that deer don't get thirsty easily that they are constantly grabbing water when they can, grazing when they can, because they don't presume to know when their next meal is gonna come. And so for a deer to be panting for streams of water, it means that the deer is in a bad spice. It's in a bad, a bad place. It's, in a, it's hit a rough patch. Maybe it's being pursued by an enemy. Um, it hasn't been able to stop and get, a wa- get water because it's, it's trying to, to, to stay alive. Maybe, maybe they just wandered to an unfamiliar place. And they, they, they've, they found this place to not have any, any water. And so they are experiencing dryness. Now in the Oklahoma heat, especially this summer, we can understand what it means to be, to be, to be thirsty, right? To maybe you've mowed the lawn like Tim was talking about earlier and you walk, you're, just, you're thirsty. But that's not really what the writer is talking about here. Cause he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. He's saying, I'm looking for you, God, and I can't find you. Can you, can you relate? Can you, can you relate to what this writer is saying? What, the, what this writer is feeling? Can you relate to being spiritually dry? Wondering why God just feels distant from you. Well, here's the good news before we kind of get into some of the bad news. Here's the good news is that this Psalm does does offer us ways and help to navigate spiritually dry seasons in in our life. Because if you're not, uh, if you haven't been able to relate yet, I promise you, you will. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to feel spiritually dry. And maybe some of you are in that moment right now. The good news is 
Psalm 42 offers us hope. Um, the first question I think we have to answer, though, is what causes spiritually dry seasons in our life? How do we, how do we get there? Because I don't think anyone ever just wakes up and says, you know what, I want to feel distant from God today. I don't, I don't think that ever happens. I think what happens is, is life happens. And that's the reason why we experience seasons of spiritual dryness is because life happens. We live in a fallen and sinful world. And when these bad and difficult things happen, because we live in a, 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 a sinful world, in a fallen world, it can feel like, and often the enemy is telling us that God is distant, that God is away from us, that, that, that he, is, he is upset with us. He is gone from us. And I don't know about you, but, but then that, can be cause, that causes frustration in my life. When I feel like God is distant, maybe when I'm listening to the enemy tell me that God is distant, I can become frustrated with, with God. And when we become frustrated with somebody, we don't want to spend time with them. I don't know about you, but if you're in any type of relationship at all, you're, you're, you're a parent, you're a, a spouse, you're a, you're, a, you're a kid with parents, whatever type of relationship you're in, when you get frustrated with somebody, you don't want to spend time with them. You know, there are times in my marriage where I may get frustrated with my wife. And when I see her, I'm saying, you know what? Let's keep our distance. Let's, let me go somewhere else because I don't want to spend time with you because I'm upset with you. It doesn't happen very often because my wife is awesome and she's running slides, so I'm not going to say anything. But, uh, um, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You feel those moments where you're frustrated and you just don't even want to spend time with, with God. And if we're not careful because our frustration, because we, we don't want to spend time with God, spiritually dry seasons creep into our life. And this is what the writer of Psalm 42 is experiencing. He's experiencing these, these moments where he feels like God is nowhere to be found. He's longing for him, longing, longing to be near him, and he just can't find him. And it feels like for him, that wave after wave after wave is just beating him up. Life is just beating him up. Can you relate to that? For, let's check out verse seven of Psalm 42. It says this, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Wave after wave is just crashing over this rider. He feels like God is nowhere to be found. Have you ever, ever been hit by uh, like waves in the ocean? Like, like, like decent sized waves where, where it knocks you down. When I was in, when I was uh, like in middle school, my grandma married my, my grandpa, Bob, and uh, he lived in Southern California. She, she lived in, in Kansas. And so um, there was supposed to be a 50, 50, 50 split, but she moved to California for like six months and realized I don't want to live in Kansas anymore. And so she, they moved to Southern California for, for the most, most of the time. And so our family vacations began, began going out to see my grandma and grandpa, Bob in Southern California. Uh, and they lived in a, in a small, little community called Seal Beach. It was right in between Huntington Beach and Long Beach. Um, and it was, it was great because Huntington Beach was super crowded. Long Beach was super crowded. Seal Beach wasn't. And there's probably a few reasons for that because the way it was situated, I, f I feel like on, on the coast, that, that waves really didn't roll into Seal Beach. There were some little things and, and it, was, it was fun to go to the beach and hang out, but there wasn't a bunch of waves to, to play in. Um, that is until the summer of 1997. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget it um, because my grandma wrote us a, a, a letter. There were these things that people used to write all the time, little letters and notes and stuff. And she sent it in the mail to us and we opened up the card and she's you know, excited we're gonna come see her, all the things that grandma say. And uh, then she said this, the waves are the biggest I've ever seen out, down at the beach. And if I'm being honest, I thought to myself, 
Sure, Grandma. Right. Okay. You know, they're now instead of being ankle high, they're now knee high. Instead of knee high, maybe they're they're you know mid thigh or something like that. You know, okay, Grandma. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm sure it'll be be great. But here's what I didn't know until later that it was like El Nino or La Nina, one of the two, and the weather pattern had changed. And because of that, waves were coming into Seal Beach that, that had been years since they had seen that. I actually have a few pictures um, of, of this. Here is uh, us, my, my my best friend um, and his family. They went out with us. That summer, uh, I knew it was 1997 because the little date on the thing there helped me out, but uh, July 1997. And you can kind of see here, uh, hopefully you can understand how, how, how big this wave was. And here's the problem with the wave when you get hit by, by a wave like that is if you're not careful, it'll drive you into like the, the floor of the ocean where all the sand is, and it'll just, it'll just turn you over. And before you know it, your shoulder's getting drugged into the, into the sand and your, your feet are above your head and you're just trying to not swallow salt water. And, and then you stand up and about the time you're getting your bearings straight, what happens? Another one, another one comes. This, this summer, that happened to us numerous times. And it happened actually to my best friend, um, his, his dad, his dad, Butch, happened. Let me, let's, let's check this out. Like, we've got this, this is like the, if you were to talk to my family, this is the thing we remember most about this vacation. Here is this, this wave. I believe this is actually me in this one, getting hit by the wave, uh, not doing well. Go to the next one. This is, this is my best friend, uh, his dad, Butch. Butch is maybe the most cautious man I've ever met in my life. And he, we finally coaxed him out into the water. And this is wave like three in a row. And he is not doing well. Let's go to the next one. Uh, he is washing up onto the, uh, to the shore um, and trying to uh, gather him, himself. And, and before you go to this next picture, I called my, I actually called my mom and dad to see if they had the picture. They found it. Uh, and I called both my brothers and I said this. What's the one thing you remember from the, from the vacation? We went with, with Butch and Luann and Matt and Chuck to Grandma's out at Seal Beach. And every one of them said this picture I'm going to show you. Okay, here's it, here it is. It's this picture right here. Now, I want you to take careful look. That is not water coming out of his nose. Um, he, is, he has been beat up um, by, by the, the waves, by, by multiple waves. And he's just got snot pouring out. It was awesome. It was so great. But here's the thing. It can, it can feel like in life sometimes, like what Butch experienced, where wave after wave after wave is just hitting you and you try to stand up, you try to get good solid footing and before you know it, another wave hits you and it is just, just sometimes overwhelming. And I guess, I would guess that many of us have experienced something like this. Maybe it's just one wave. Maybe you're in the middle of multiple waves hitting you right now. And when, it, when this happens, when, when the waves of life come over the top of us, it can feel like God is distant, that he has forgotten about us, that he has walked away from us. And in those moments, if we're being honest, spiritual dryness begins to creep into our life. And the other things that happen off, often when, when these spiritually dry seasons come into our life is, is we, we get frustrated enough with, with our circumstances, we get frustrated enough, enough with who God is and what he's doing in our life or what we feel like God is doing in our life that we begin to do things that inadvertently uh, enhance these seasons. We don't, we don't mean to oftentimes. Like I said, we don't often mean, wake up saying, I want to be further away from God today than I, ever, than I was yesterday. But, but we experience frustration. We experience spiritual dryness. And we begin to do things in our life that enhance these, these, uh, these seasons of spiritual, spiritual dryness in our life. Look what, look what the writer says in verse 40, uh, Psalm 42, verse 4. 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. This is a good, he's, he's like, I remember this was a good place. This was a good thing. But if he's remembering it, it also means that right now it's not happening. And what's, what often happens is when we experience seasons of spiritual dryness, we will, we will isolate ourselves. We will, we will, isolation will cause us to enhance those seasons of spiritual, spiritual dryness. So here's the thing. We need community. Now, I think you expect me, uh, because I'm the groups person here at First Church, you expect that to come from me, right? We need community. You need to be in a group. Um, but, but here's the deal. We need community. Community will help us uh, uh, to navigate seasons of spiritual dryness in our, in our, in our life. See, the problem with, with the American church, um, with the Western church, if you will, is we've made our spiritual journey so personal so, um, uh, so, so by ourselves that, that we've isolated ourselves and see, during seasons of spiritual dryness, we can begin to ask the questions like, where is God? Why is he distant? Why is this happening to me? But we don't want to admit to anyone else that we're walking through this because we walk into a church building and we say, hey, how's it going? We smile, things are going great. Everyone looks so happy around us. And so we think to ourselves, and sometimes the enemy is telling us that everyone else is good. You're the one who's, who's bad. And so they're not gonna understand what you're going through. And so we want to make sure that we feel like, like everyone thinks that we're good to go. And so we don't tell everyone else about what, God, what is happening in our life, how we feel that God is away from us, how we feel that God is distant, how we feel spiritually dry. Or we say stuff like this, I don't need that. I come to a building like this, I'm around people, but my relationship with Jesus is... A, is a, I spend time in his word. I, I, I do personal Bible study. I pray. I don't need to be around other people to, to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I heard it said one time that personal Bible study is important, but community Bible study is as important. Personal prayer and reflection are important, but community prayer is important as well. We don't need one or the other. We need both. So here's the deal. Get connected in community. It's worth the hassle of getting up on a Sunday and dragging yourself maybe sometimes even to the building to be around other believers, to be open and honest with other believers and worship together. It's worth the hassle of finding another night of the week to, to, get, to gather with friends, to, to eat together, to learn together, to pray together, because it's, it's worth us being in community so we don't enhance seasons of spiritual dryness in our life. And some of you in this room, some of you online, some of you need to get into community. Some of you, again, you expect this from the groups guy, need to start some community. You need to start and lead a group on your own and gather the people around you into community so that you can, as seasons of spiritual dryness, impact your life as it impacts lives of others around you. You can help others navigate these seasons of spiritual dryness. So isolation, if we're not careful, can enhance seasons of spiritual dryness. There's, there's, a, there's a second thing that, that I think, far, as far back as I could tell, it, it is uh, attributed to um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who kind of pointed this out for the first time. He was, a, uh, he was a physician before he became a minister in Wales in 1927. 
he preached a sermon on Psalm 42 and he pointed out that there's, there's some of these things that can, that can uh, another thing that can uh, enhance our seasons of, of dry spiritual life. And he called it this, he called it physical deprivation. Now, what, what that means is this, that, that our physical bodies, if we don't take care of our physical bodies, it can, it can, make, uh, it can cause our spiritual walk to have issues as well. Let's, let's read what, what, uh, what the, the psalmist says in Psalm 42, verse three. My tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? What's, what's the writer saying here? Well, the writer is experiencing such spiritual dryness that he's not eating. It says, his, my food, my tears have been my food. My day and night. So not only is he not eating, but he's not sleeping well. And, and, and so he, he, we know he's, he's not sleeping well because he's weeping all day, all night. You can't cry if you're asleep. And so he's saying, he's saying you know, I, I'm, so, I'm so distraught that I'm so focused on what's going on in my life that, that these tears are the things, I'm, I'm, that's the only thing I'm eating. It's the only thing I'm eating is my, my tears. The only thing I'm doing is, is thinking about I'm not sleeping well at all. Sometimes we allow spiritually dry seasons to consume us. Things happen in our life and that's the only thing we can think about. And we begin to say things like, where are you, God? Why is this happening? And it's the only thing that we think about. It's the only thing that consumes our mind. Food doesn't taste good. We don't sleep well. It's the only thing we can concentrate on. You've been there before. Now, now let, me, let me pause for a second and just say this. Sometimes when we walk through these seasons, it's like a, maybe a, you know, an actual depression that is, that is happening and we need some, need some actual help um, go to a, a physician or someone to help us. Sometimes though, is we get so consumed in these moments that we just need to stop, eat well, and take a nap. Sometimes we just need to take a nap and have a good, good meal, right? You ever been there where you're just like, you know what I need to do? I need to stop. I need to eat some good food and I need to take a nap. And it's, you know, here's the thing. It's also, it's biblical. I, I would argue that it's a biblical, that it's important for us to, to, to take a nap and eat a good, good meal sometimes. First Kings 19, Elijah is literally running for, from his life, for his life. Uh, Jezebel um, says, if you read in first, the first part of First Kings 19, she says, hey, if, this doesn't, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, God's gonna do, uh, God, you can do whatever you want with me. And so Elijah's like, I'm out. I'm getting out of here. And he's, he's on the run. And we, we pick it up uh, in 1 Kings 19, verse five. He is in the desert. He's finally stopped. He's underneath the tree. And this is what it says. When he, then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. First of all, I, I forgot this part. He's mad at God. Before he, before he falls asleep, he's, just, he's giving God the business. God, why is this happening? God, where are you? Why are you allowing these bad things? Just kill me now, God, I'm done. And then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horab the mountain of God, there he went into a cave and he spent the night. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to take a, take a deep breath, eat some good food and rest. 
Now, I'm not talking about Twinkies and, uh, you know, fried chicken. I'm talking, you know, uh, fried chicken's fine, you know, whatever. I'm, not, I'm talking good, like good healthy food. And I'm not talking about just laying in bed all day. I'm talking about actually getting a good night's sleep and resting. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to change everything. But sometimes when we eat well and we, and we sleep well and we begin to take care of our physical bodies, our mind and our mental capacity and our way that we're, work, we're, we're thinking about spiritual matters in our life changes. It doesn't come quite as overwhelming. It doesn't feel like wave after wave is hitting us and we can stand up and have strength because we're eating well and we're sleeping well. And if we are not careful, physical deprivation can enhance seasons of spiritual dryness. But here's the, here's the, thing, we have to, the thing we have to walk through the rest of our time today is how do we navigate these seasons? Because here's the deal, you're, you're going to have seasons of spiritual dryness. If you haven't had one yet, I promise you it's coming. But I would guess most of us in this room are either, either in the middle of one, just had one, or getting ready to have one. So how do we navigate these seasons of spiritual dryness? Here's the first thing we have to do. Express your frustrations. Express your frustrations. Tell God what you're frustrated about. It's okay, he can handle it. It's okay. Tell him what you're going through. This, I, I love what we read in this psalm because the psalmist, the psalmist very, from the very beginning, as you walk through, he's, he's upset and he's mad, but he starts just telling God what's, what he's walking through, how he's frustrated. Check this out. Psalm 42, verse nine. I say to God, my rock, first of all, this is important. He's recognizing that God, he has not walked away from God. He is not, he is not an, uh, an unbeliever. He, he knows who God is. He, he trusts that God is his rock. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? We're gonna look just a second in Psalm 43. Psalm 43 and Psalm 42 are probably one big psalm because um, we see a lot of the same language uh, written in there, um, but they've split into two for various reasons. But Psalm 40, 43, verse two, it's very similar language. You are my stronghold, talking about God. God, I know who you are, but why have you rejected me? You, I feel like you've, you've left me, God. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Sometimes... And I would say a lot of times when you're walking through seasons of spiritual dryness, you need to express your frustrations to God. Let him know what you're frustrated about. There's something cathartic about it too. You ever done that before where you just you finally got to the point where you've been holding something in and you just kind of let it out and, and nothing changed, but you feel better? You ever, you ever done that? I mean, it's, it's something cathartic about letting people know um, what we're frustrated about. My favorite show, in my opinion, the best show ever written uh, and produced in American TV is The Office. Um, I've seen every episode multiple times. Uh, I love The Office. And so I often think about things in Office episodes and quotes. Um, so I'm gonna do that today. Uh, there's, a there's an episode in season two of The Office called Conflict Resolution. And if you remember this episode, if you watched the, 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 the season, um, uh, Michael's in his office, he's the boss, he's hearing some yelling in the conference room and he opens the door and it's, and, and it's Oscar kind of just letting out some frustrations to Toby, who's the HR rep, and Michael's trying to fix it. And Toby kind of comes alongside of him and says, Michael, here's, here's what I normally do in these situations. I just let them kind of express what they're going through. I let them get it out. And it usually takes care of itself. Now, if you know, you know the rest of the episode, Michael doesn't take that advice. He tries to fix it. It blows up. He ends up taking the advice at the end of the episode. 
funny, fantastic, check it out. Anyway, um, but there's something cathartic about just getting out our frustration and just letting, letting it know. And, and here's the thing, God is okay with that. It is okay for us to let God know what we're frustrated with. He's a big boy. He can handle, he can handle us coming to him. And I've been in my, my own life, there's been lots of times where I feel like, oh God, I can't come to you with this because it's, it's not that big of a deal. But God, God already knows what I'm frustrated with. I think sometimes what he would love, us, love for us to do is just to tell him, just to tell him what we're frustrated with because something happens when we express our frustrations to God. Tell him what you're frustrated with. Here's the second thing you, you need to do. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Take time, after, even after you've, you've expressed your frustrations, take time to remember how he's already impacted your life, how, how he's already done things for you. Check this out, what he, what he says in Psalm 42, verse, verse four. These things I remember, we read this earlier, as I pour out my soul, he remembers where, how he used to go uh, with, the, with the, the people to worship God. And he's, there's a fond memory. Things were good then. He remembered those moments. The 42, verse six, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Remember what God has done. So how do we do that? What's a practical way to do that? Now, I'm, I'm gonna suggest something to you that I'm not very good at. And so I, maybe, maybe if by suggesting it, um, it'll, it'll help me. But one of the ways I think we can, we can remember what God has done is we can journal. I don't know if you're a journalist. I know some people are just natural. They're, they're writers. They like to do that. It's like, a, it's like a labor of love for me. It's a spiritual discipline for me to have to actually do that because I'm not, not very good about it, uh, about it. But there have been many times in my life, especially in seasons of spiritual dryness, where I have sat down with a, with a journal and tried to journal. In fact, I've got, I've got here just a handful of my journals um, from, from, that I have in my office. And, and I've, been, uh, I, I've looked through these, these journals over the last couple of weeks. And a lot of them are, are, are me just, just struggling with a lot of different things. Feeling like God was distant, feeling like, like uh, I had made, maybe made a mistake or wondering maybe where, God, why is this happening to me? Like I, I'm following you, I'm pursuing you. God, why is this happening? And it's interesting to me as I read through these journals that that as I, as I express my frustrations to God, I don't always get the answer I'm, I want. I don't always get the things that I'm, I'm after. In fact, there's been numerous times as I read through them, I'm like, yeah, I didn't get that. But then I remember, or I, I read how God has done some things in my life. In fact, some things I was asking God for that is probably a good thing I didn't get them. And as I read through these journals, I remembered that God has been there for me. He has never turned and walked away. And so my challenge to you is maybe spend some time journaling. Now, maybe you're, it's something you do easily. Maybe for, for you're, you're like me and it's a labor of love. Um, and so maybe you just need to get a, a thing like this from Target or Walmart. Maybe you need to try to get a, a fancy one. Like if you spend some money on an actual journal, leather bound journal, that maybe you'll do better uh, and journal more often. It didn't work for me, but um, maybe it'll work for you. But, but here's, here's my challenge. I would challenge you, spend some time, remind, especially if you're in a season of dryness, 
Express your frustrations, write what's going on in your life and just continue to do that. And then go back after a few weeks, few months, maybe a few years even. Some of mine go back a few years and be reminded of what God has done in your life. Remember, of those, remember those things that he has done. Here's the last thing that we have to do. We have to remind ourselves of who God is. We have to remind ourselves of who God is. Now, here's the thing. This is kind of some self-talk, right? Not, not, not allowing ourselves to talk to us, but us talking to ourselves. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves who God is. Remind, remind ourselves who God is. There's a refrain in, 40, in Psalm 42 and 43, the exact same phrase, uh, the words are the exact same, twice in 42, once in 43. Check out what it says. Why are you downcast, O my soul? This is, a, uh, this is kind of a rhetorical question, right? He's, he's, he's talking to himself and he's saying, hey, listen, why are you, soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? What's going on here? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. It is important for us as we navigate seasons of spiritual dryness, that we remind ourselves, we talk to ourselves and say who God is. He is our savior. He is our God. He, the, his word promises us time and time again that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he is the one who is always there. And when it feels like God is distant, remind ourselves that he has not walked away. Most likely what we've done is we've turned a little bit and maybe taken steps away, but God is always there for us. If we're going to navigate seasons of spiritual dryness, if we're gonna get through these times that are gonna happen, or are happening right now. We need to stop and remember what God has done. Stop and remind ourselves who God is. He is our savior and our God. You see, here's the deal. We will all experience seasons of spiritual dryness. On our journey, you will either be coming out of one, be going into one, or in the middle of one. We will all experience seasons of spiritual dryness. But it's important that we don't allow ourselves to stay there. We have to remember that we serve a God that is big enough to handle our frustrations, that we need to stop and remind ourselves and remember who God is, what he has done and who he has promised us to be. He, will prom- he has promised us that he is our savior and he is our God. He will never leave us or forsake us. Don't forget, remember who he is. He is your savior He is your God. Let's pray. Father, I am am grateful for your words. The way you use the Psalms just to to impact our our life. God, I'm asking right now that you would would help us. If we are are experiencing a season of spiritual dryness, God, that we we would turn to you God, even when we're frustrated, even when it doesn't feel like you're near, God, that we would trust and know who you are. And God, that we would remind ourselves of the truth that you are our savior and our God. And you will never leave us. and You will never forsake us. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.